Hello, hello, and welcome to Intentional Sounding. It's the Draw Play podcast, but as we have actually recently found out, it was always a Tide ad. I'm your host, Draw Play Dave Rapocio, and with me, as always, is going back to New England, Sam Grezis. Oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go go to or back to New England ever, because those were the only places where people actually got arrested for violent things and not just, you know, destroying public property, so... Yeah. Yeah. Check so That check was your... a really good game. I was literally talking about this. So so Ray was in Philly, right, for the game. Uh and we're probably going to want to have him on the show at some point and like do stories. But uh like we were talking about this earlier and he was saying and he was admitting that he was biased, but like that might have been one of the best Super Bowls he can ever remember seeing. Um and I I wasn't ready to, like, put my cards on the table for that yet, but, like, it was close. Like, it was formulaic in that you, you always kind of knew the Patriots were going to go into, you know, halftime down by at least one score, because that's what they always do in every Super Bowl and every game ever. Like... And then, and then at the end, like, all those trick plays, all those huge plays on both sides of the ball. Fuck, I mean, if you had no rooting interest, you had a fucking great time. And I think that's a test of a good football game. Honestly, like, as long as you're not a super defensive purist, this really was one of the greatest games of all time. Yep. It was way better than last year. Oh, Jesus. I mean, last year was basic. And I, I'm not saying that because I hate the Patriots. As much as we do... Last year was two bad games sandwiched into one. Yeah. Where two-thirds, the first two-thirds of the game, the Falcons were just blowing the shit out of the Patriots. And honestly, it's like, all right, I mean, I guess we're seeing the Patriots lose, but it's starting to get a little boring. And then the switch flipped, and the Patriots were kicking the snot out of the Falcons. And it it just was, it wasn't an actual competitive game. No. It was just two bad bad games and the, the and the story from that game ended up not really being any big play except for the matt ryan strip sack i mean but no one really even remembers that they remember you know the big comeback and the comeback is something that you don't like in in five years no one i think is going to be watching highlights from super bowl 51 They'll just remember the fact that the Patriots made a historic comeback. And yeah, you know, that's a great thing to remember, but I don't think that's the test of a great game. People will be looking at highlights from Super Bowl 52 for years and years and years. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, when you think about last year's Super Bowl, maybe the only real plays that come to mind are... Uh, Matt Ryan getting like sacked out of field goal range because uh-huh. that signified yep. the death of the Falcons. Yep. And you probably also remember the um, probably the Edelman catch. If anything yeah, else, you remember you remember yep. the fluky Edelman catch. Yep. No, the do you remember catch. any of the? Uh, if you're not a Patriots fan, if you were a neutral fan, do you remember like the Patriots touchdowns to come back? No, mm-hmm. you just remember mm-hmm. they came back. You just remember that they like, did it. Yeah, it, and it's one year later, and at the time, everyone's like, oh, this is amazing. It's, it, it wasn't. Well, no, it, it was, was amazing. It, was, it was amazing, and it was historic, In, in right? that but, sense, yeah. But historic doesn't necessarily mean, like, exciting and electric and... I mean, 
listen, you can do you can do very impressive feats of strength or of skill, right? I think in that doesn't mean that it's interesting. Sense, I think actually, honestly, the Patriots, um, the level of hate towards the Patriots kind of worked against them in terms of making that Super Bowl comeback more memorable. Sure. Because I think if it was a different team that wasn't nearly as well uh, as despised as the Patriots, uh, we'd all be like, wow, I can't believe they're coming back. Whereas I'm pretty sure sh- most of the people watching that game were f- had more of a feeling of inevitability of like, oh, and of course they're, they're coming they're actually back. going to let yeah. this happen. But it, yeah. And that like that's not necessarily the Patriots fault for that game. You take no. the 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 logos off the helmets and that game feels very different. Yeah, I I still I I still would argue that the the inevitability didn't really like yeah, sure that hurt and it kind of takes some of the sheen off of the comeback I think for for Patriots fans and for NFL fans. Um but at the same time there really there wasn't like that crazy fucking bonkers ass shit that we saw in in this game, right? Two trick plays, one of them worked, fucking ballsy moves on both sides of the ball for Philadelphia. Fucking remember, I th- there was this super small thing, and I don't know if I'll remember it, but it was like late in the game when uh, I think Philly was up um, uh, like two scores. It was like in the fourth quarter or something, and, and the Patriots were driving, and there was a bunch of time left on the clock, and the fucking Eagles just started blitzing. They, they started just fucking rushing five and six and, and they got to Brady a couple times. And I was just like, what? Holy shit. Really? Okay. And that, that kind of decision-making is like, I mean, Doug Peterson had this great quote after the game that was like conservative play calling gets you eight and eight, which like, did you think that was a slight against Jeff Fisher? Because I think it was. I think it was. I think it was. Yeah, definitely. It's hard to not associate Jeff Fisher Fisher with mediocrity. Yeah, like he is mediocrity to basically everyone in the NFL right now. Yeah, I mean, if there was one thing that this season taught us, um, it's it's uh, that that Jeff Fisher is a is a crime football boy. Oh shit! Oh, uh, hold on. I hear I hear some. I hear some rowdy knocking outside. I hear some rowdy... It... It... Oh my god. Is he back? Is he back from the burnt wreckage of what was once a, a, a city? A bustling city? The city of brotherly love? I'm like looking over my shoulder because I hear him coming. Uh-oh. I do. I do. He'll come in when we least expect it. But Ray, I can see him outside. I can see him outside. He is hosed out of his fucking gourd and still, still a high off of that Eagles win. So, uh, listeners, be aware. <laughs> There's going to be a special little, little sidebar here uh either way yeah fuck jeff fisher i mean if there's one thing that the season has taught us it's that jeff fisher does not know how to coach a football team not in the slightest he's he's i, I think, think 
I mean, I, he's well, the reason I think that people thought Nick Foles was bad, even though he was never bad. Well, Nick, I think a lot of people gave up on Nick Foles, which I still think the fact that Nick Foles led the Eagles to a Super Bowl multiple years after Eagles fans thought he would lead them to a Super yeah. Bowl and then gave up on him. Yeah. But let's think, like, he had that one amazing year. Yeah. And yeah. then the next year, this was under Chip Kelly, he was... Eh, he wasn't great. He wasn't bad, and though. And honestly, I, I thought the Eagles kind of gave up on him too quickly. Yep. Because it was basically one amazing year, one mediocre year, and then he was gone. I was like, I mean, if, if you're hunting for a QB, I feel like you could have you could have looked at him just like one more year, but uh-huh. I, okay, if, if that's... That's how you want to roll. Choice, fine. For sure. Yeah, I I, I mean I, I don't wanna I don't wanna say he was like always amazing, but he was he never had a bad year at quarterback. The worst he ever was, like the worst he ever was was mediocre or I mean average, right? I don't think you know, I I don't think that he really Got a fair shake after he got hurt. And through, I mean, through, really, I don't think through much fault of the Eagles because they thought they had an inside line on this, you know, you know, on Sam Bradford and Nick Foles was hurt. So, like, why kind of roll the dice when you have another guy who gets hurt all the time when it's a sure thing that he'll be hurt? So, like, I mean, ship him off. Get your money. Whatever. And then he played under Jeff Fisher and fucking <laughs> that'll do it. Oh, man. I've got but, I've got a quick question for you. Uh-oh. While we're doing the recap, and I I kind of want you to answer this honestly, and I'll I'll give my honest answer after this too. Are you saying I'm not usually honest on this podcast? Yes, Sam? <laughs> yes I am. I'm saying we're both a bunch of liar frauds. Uh, so you are on a wheel route, right? Running upfield, no one is ahead of you. There is no one within like I want to say ten, maybe fifteen yards of you. You see a ball coming at you. Uh, it is a perfect rainbow. It is thrown by Danny Amendola. Could you catch that ball? Assuming everything is scaled for your height and speed and like like physical athletic ability. Assuming that ball was thrown to specifically you, Dave Rapoccio, do you think you could have caught that ball? Yes. I, I, I would agree. I would agree. That was I could have caught that ball. That was an easy little lob. Yep. I the the my 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 thinking on that and this is like so perfect. Like this is the reason why I Oh, oh shit. Oh shit. Big Dick Nick. Big Dick Nick. Fuck Tom Brady. <laughs> My God, he's here. My God, he's here. My God. I don't know why we're still talking about Tom Brady because we beat him. New Dynasty, we're unstoppable next year. We're going to have Wentz back, unstoppable. He's better. He's going to be better than Nick Foles and Andrews. Woo! Give me the mic. Where's, give me the gear. Let me, where's the, give me the thing. Fuck the Patriots. Uh, the Eagles are the best. And the flight attendants, uh, there's no, they uh, fuck the flight attendants who said I couldn't have more than three <laughs> of the little airplane bottles, but I brought extras from the riot. So, woo! Yeah, mic drop. 
That was my headphones, not my mic. Anyway, well, I, anyway, I think I could have caught that pass too. Yeah, I think most <laughs> most people in reasonable shape could have caught that pass. Maybe Tom Brady could have caught that pass if he had a less shitty doctor. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So, so my thing, the funny thing with that for me is that like, you know, they they talk about all the grit and like and fucking. I don't know, try hard mentality that Tom Brady has. Tom Brady didn't lay out for that ball. He could have. He could have. Uh, no, Sam, Sam. All right, let's pull back on the Tom Brady hate. Did you see it? He got at least a two-inch vertical on that shit. Yeah, well, no, I'm just, I'm saying, man, I'm saying you gotta you gotta go to the turf for that. That's, that's two inches. He jumped two inches Jesus. off the turf. Like, how can you ask more of an athlete? I, it's it just. It is absolutely ins- – he didn't even need to jump. Like, I was, I was like, looking at some stuff about it, and, and the general consensus seems to be that the reason he didn't catch it is because he jumped badly and also too early. Like, he didn't need to jump. If he kept running forward, it would have been right in the fucking basket. Yeah, yeah. Can we also talk about how perfect of a pass that was by Danny Amendola? That was, that was a beautiful pass. It was a you really could not good have pass for a better trick play pass. Yeah, and it was all set up there. It was the easiest little rainbow. Mm-hmm. No one's in front of him because no one expects him to do it. He would have had a good and twenty thirty just, yards. Like this, this is the person that you think is the greatest of all time, Patriots fans. He can't catch the easiest pass in the world. Yeah, are you kidding me? Zero this for zero. Is the goat. Zero no. for zero on one target. Big drop. There, there was trash. there were a bunch of people. It's trash. Uh, fuck. What what year was it? Was it uh fucking twenty twelve when the Patriots were playing the Super Bowl and Tom Brady's like receivers all kept dropping the ball and Giselle did uh, a tweet that was something to the effect of like, I mean. Tom Brady can't throw and catch the ball. He needs like needs help from his receivers. Blah 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 blah. And like as soon as he dropped that easy easy catch, everyone on Twitter was tweeting it. Giselle being like, "Oh, I guess so, you're uh, right." So uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I think you most of them were just the eye emojis and throw everything. Mm-hmm. Big dick Nick. Fault. Here's the thing. I I, I want to make this clear. Uh, it's not that nickname, Big Dick Nick. If you weren't aware, it's not just like, oh, he's kind of ballsy. He like won the Super Bowl. It's funny. His name rhymes with dick. No, he apparently has a massive fucking dong. They they they. I mean, they in the locker yeah, room. They call him, him? Footlong he's Foles. Like the, he's like this weird lanky dude, and it. You just figure everything's lanky. Weird lanky dick. Yeah. I just wanted to make not sure like that everyone weird elbow. that everyone listening to the podcast knows that Big Dick Nick is not is not just like a, a haha funny nickname. No. Nick Foles has a gigantic bepis. A gigantic little dangler down there. So That's gonna that that trick play. I I so couldn't help but sexy. watch that play and not feel like it was a middle finger to the Patriots. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah! Because it's like that's gonna go down as the play of the game. Like every oh, Super Bowl think? has yeah. like a play that defines it, and that even though 
it didn't like win the game the, or the anything. The strip sack won the so game. So much more I mean. to do. That that's the play that's going to define the game for the Eagles because it was Nick Foles being playing out of his mind. It was a fourth down play, mm-hmm. which was fourth and one. very representative of just how ballsy the Eagles played all game long. Nick Foles it called was, it. Nick Foles was the dude that had the idea to actually call the play, and Doug Peterson was like, "Fuck yeah." Yeah, let's do this. Let's let's, let's go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, that was a that was an awesome play, and it's just like, well, Tom Brady, you can't catch a ball. Guess who can? Nick, <laughs> Nick Foles can catch Foles. a ball I- for a touchdown on fourth down to go up two scores again. You are a piece of trash, Tom Brady. I, I want to tell a very short story from like the Super Bowl party I had at uh, my apartment. Because I was like, I was really stoked when they decided to go for it on fourth and one. And then they lined up and I saw like the fucking acting ability by Nick Foles. He fooled me. I, he, I was like thinking he was making adjustments at the line. You Do you remember that? That like when yeah. everyone was lined up and Corey Clement was under center, like Nick Foles was up with the fucking linemen just being like, okay, shift, whatever. And I was like, I was literally like, being like, oh, check out how much I know about football. Nick Foles saw something in the defense. He's trying to change the play. And then while he's doing that, fucking this snap comes to Corey fucking Clement. And I'm like, uh, what? What? Uh, what? It was amazing. It was so fucking good. So fucking good. Sam, you know what else was really fucking good? Yeah. Remember when the Eagles kicked a, kicked a, uh, got a touchdown late in the game, but then the Patriots got the ball with two minutes left uh-huh. and that feeling of inevitability washed over you that they were going to tie and, it up for sure and you were just like okay i guess here it comes i'll just brace myself for it and then two plays later tom brady gets his ass sacked oh my strip god sack, sits on the ground all sad and then the eagles have the ball and everything had changed and it owned so hard oh my god it was so good if you're ever having a bad day, from now until pretty much the end of time, or at least the end of the internet, go to Getty Images and just search like Tom Brady Super Bowl Fifty Two, and you'll have to you'll have to scroll through. But there are so many pictures of him sitting down on the turf after that strip sack, just sitting down, looking fucking. Eli Man, if if I may say, Eli Manning like losing his bucket esque like it is so oh my god you know the great great? the greatest of all time fucking sitting on the turf and throwing a temper tantrum of all time like it doesn't really matter how good he is it doesn't matter how great his legacy will be you know he went home crying lost to a backup lost to a backup that nobody thought was gonna be any good. You know, you know who, you know who the last person to do that was Tom Brady. Back in yeah. two thousand two. Fuck you, Tom Brady. Your time is up. Fools, his time over. is now. It's over. I actually kind of think of Foles as like part of the same club now as Jeff Hostetler. Sure. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The backup quarterback. For a team that's mostly known for defense, who plays well enough to win a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and no one expected it out of him, and then we're all just like, you know what? 
Okay. I I guess. I just, like... It's a very exclusive club. Yeah, but at the same time, I really don't think... And, and this is from a dude who, like, roots for the Eagles because, like, my roommate and best friend roots for the Eagles, right? But I... The amount of... Not disrespect, but the, like, the lack of respect being shown to Nick Foles for playing what was essentially a perfect Super Bowl. The interception was not his fault. It was just Alshon Jeffrey kind of flailing to try and haul the ball in, and oops, it bounced bad. Like I never really hold those plays against the quarterback unless it's very off target. Yeah, and, th- and that one wasn't. Like, if, if the receiver goes up to catch it, and even if it's like a, a slightly tough angle to catch it, if the receiver gets his hands and could have conceivably caught that had he not screwed up, I don't blame that at all on the quarterback. That's... That's the receiver's fault. Mm-hmm. I mean, Foles, in in relief of Carson Wentz, played one bad game. And it wasn't even that bad, right? As soon as the playoffs started, he was fucking on fire. Do you Have we already forgotten what he did to the Vikings? The Vikings, who had the best defense in the league this year? Well, I think, I think the problem is everybody went into this game, I think, like, a lot of people went in this game not really wanting to watch it because of the matchup. Okay. Because they simply assume because this is the Patriots on their second wind, more or less, in their dominance yeah. of yeah. three Super Bowl appearances in four years. Like this was a big deal. And I think a lot of people didn't want to watch this game, straight up didn't watch this game mm-hmm. because they didn't want to see this matchup between a backup quarterback for a team with a fan base that has a reputation or the Patriots again. Sure. Like, I don't want to admit it, but I came very close to just straight up not watching this game. <laughs> Man, you would have, I, I, honestly, you would have missed out. Because like, for the, real. The, I'm glad I watched it because it ended up being a great game, but I was sitting on my couch playing Zelda on the Switch for like huh. an hour or two beforehand and I'm like, uh, I mean, I guess I have to watch this game. Keely was out of town on a business trip, so I sure she wasn't there. And I always go to this one bar with my friends. It's like 15 minutes away, and we watch the Super Bowl there. And we like play catch in the parking lot during halftime. And I know like they weren't interested in watching the game, but then I've sat there like you know for the Super Bowl the bar always does like free food at halftime mm-hmm. where they put out like burgers and hot dogs and toppings and stuff like that and uh i don't feel like paying for dinner so the reason i watched the super bowl is because i'm fucking cheap and wanted free food <laughs> well hey man that's what got me off the couch i didn't want to watch the game i didn't I didn't want to watch this game. I was just like, uh, people are saying, oh, it, it was the protest. No, people didn't want to watch the Patriots again. Yeah, they didn't. People, yeah. The Eagles are a, a team that a lot of people have very negative opinions of. Even if I think that might not be well-deserved and I'm, I have all the reason in the world to hate the Eagles. Plus, people are boycotting the NFL for, like, good reasons. Like, you know, the fact yeah. that Colin Kaepernick is being blackballed and, and you know, fucking the concussion shit and the fact that they there are histories of the nfl protecting people who do abuse and like you know good reasons yeah and shit so i just want to say um thank you 
to the garden home dugout for putting out free food because because otherwise you, you wouldn't I, I I would have missed a really good Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, bar like everything else aside, right? 1,151 yards total, a record for any modern NFL game. The most yardage. Not not in playoffs, any modern NFL game. Any game. Period. Not just the Super Bowl, any fucking game. Hey, do you remember how many punts there were? There were one. one. Just one. One. There was un punt. A single punt. A single punt, and the rest of it was like there were tur- two turnovers. One, uh, one was the strip sack fumble. One was the interception, and one was a turnover on downs. Every single other uh, drive resulted in a score. the The game was one point shy of the most total points ever for the Super Bowl. The Patriots were the only team to score thirty three points in a Super Bowl and lose it. Like Tom Brady threw for 500 fucking yards. Yeah. And still and lost. lost. So, so that was, uh, that the 505 yard mark was the most, not in any NFL game, but in any NFL postseason game, Super Bowl or playoff, whatever. Uh, yeah, there's only been like 15 games where the quarterback has thrown for 500 yards. Yeah. It, it doesn't fucking happen. No, it doesn't. It doesn't like, he didn't even do it last year with an extra overtime drive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's fucking crazy. And I will say, like, we were, I, we both kind of were talking about this last week with Ray about how, like, if it's going to be a, a shootout, that really does favor the Eagles. So I, I'm just like, it's fucking amazing. And that th- these are the kinds of games that I really enjoy watching because... If nothing else, a lot of offense means that, like, you have endorphins kind of going either because a team scored against big plays, you. Big plays, man. Like, it's, yeah, big plays. It's, it's exciting. I, like, I was disappointed we didn't see more awesome defense until, like, the one yeah. play that mattered. Yep. yep. But at the same time, like, it's hard to argue when you're watching – I mean, you know the Patriots are going to score. What I was amazed by was just how well the Eagles were scoring. Right, exactly. They were just straight up scoring. And, like, the Patriots were constantly playing catch-up the whole mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. because the Eagles were just scoring at will at the same rate. Yeah. It, was, it was really fun to watch. It was just two teams just back and forth, back and forth. Every time the Patriots would cut it close, the the Eagles would be like, ah, no, and then they'd take it a step forward. It was fantastic. And at least on the Patriots' side, like, the Eagles' run defense was pretty damn good all game. So, like, shoot, if you you just want to see fucking Tom Brady throwing the ball as hard as he fucking can down the field, there you go. Yeah. Have fun. And I do want to – like, I don't know – if you feel the same way, at least in the first half, I felt this. I felt like Tom Brady's arm strength wasn't very good. Yeah. I was watching a lot of plays, and I felt like there was a lot of times where the receiver was wide open and would have to slow down mm-hmm. and come back. And they were making great catches. Yeah, right. And they were still massive plays. But I, the only time I kept thinking to myself, you know, if Brady hits him in stride, that's a touchdown. Right. Yep. There was at least three plays where, like, if Brady hits that in stride, that's a touchdown. Has his arm strength kind of 
started to falter a little bit. I don't know, man. That's like a click I don't know. by I mean, title, he looked but... better as the game went on. Well, but he there, looked stronger. In the, first, in the first quarter especially, he didn't look like he had the zip under the ball that you, you're, you'd think. But then later in the game, he got less accurate. I mean, I can remember at least three moments where he missed, like, completely. It looked like he was throwing the ball away, but, I mean, he was going to, uh, like, the safety valve of, like, someone in the flat. Or he was passing to, like, a wide open. I think it was, um, I think it was Chris Hogan. And he just threw completely behind him. Like, on a, on a deep either seam or crossing route. And it was just... Not, and I mean, this is what happens, right? With Tom Brady is like, once you hit him once or once you put a little bit of pressure on him, like he gets a little bit jumpy, a little skittish. Yeah. 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 Um, which is, which is weird because then he makes these amazing throws under pressure. He gets skittish when like no one's there. It's kind of, it's, it's a weird kind of thing where like if he's, like it, maybe it's a fight or flight thing. He's picturing how bad uh, Giselle is going to yell at him. Oh yeah, if he messes Shit. up. Like the the defense isn't in his head. Giselle. No, Giselle is. Giselle yeah. Well, head. when the defense is in his head, he can stop thinking about Giselle, and then you know everything is clear. It's like okay, I can make this play. But when um, you know, when he's got a little bit of extra time in the pocket before the defense bears down, it's like you know you start he, getting he, into he, your own he, head, right? He passes a glance up at the at the booth, yeah. and he just sees Chazelle just sitting there. It's over. It's like mm, it's all over. Mm, mm, mm. Are you, you gonna you gonna actually make the throw this time, Tom, <laughs> or are we gonna have to uh, put you down in the basement again? Oh, mm. Is that is that how this is gonna work, Tom? Okay, let's talk about some other things. Yes, I really want to give a mention to NBC right here because. They had so long to plan this. And I have to say, this was the best broadcast I'd ever seen. Especially those 30 seconds of complete dead air. <laughs> I was going to be like, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how to come in on that because I was like, wait, is he being serious? That would, you, like, that, I, that is getting fired like how much money oh did God. nbc lose with that that yeah. like that happened in the bar yep and oh every God. single tv in the bar went black and then like after like three seconds we're like um uh what's going on? after like five seconds i i started clapping mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i was just like good job nbc good job and I, I got a few other people clapping with me like great job and it just kept going and then all of a sudden it came back to the broadcast like wow someone got fired i wonder if that was just our feed so i posted on twitter like did that happen to anybody else and everyone was just like nope that happened to me yep, too yep it was it was most people i mean above and beyond that i i'm just kind of thinking about this now the game the on-field product of this super bowl was great Everything else, everything else, uh, well, with the possible exception of a couple of good ads, was fucking dog shit, right? It was, it was terrible. This is the worst and game I have I, ever heard Chris Collinsworth call, and that is... Yes, that's exactly where I was going. I, I have had my problems with Chris Collinsworth. Anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that I don't particularly like, like Chris Collinsworth. There's elements of his announcing that I respect but 
I've always found him annoying. He has never been worse than he was on that Super Bowl. It wasn't just that he, he was, was wrong all awful. the time. It was... God, he was so fucking biased. <laughs> just It was just everybody... He's getting a, a lot of flack for this, and I'm very happy about it, because it seems like a lot of other people are finally realizing what I knew all along. Yeah, right? I told you he sucked, <laughs> you fools. But I think everyone's pointing out to, like, the Ertz catch, and how... Yeah. He's just going on and on about how he that that wouldn't be a touchdown. And it was the most obvious fucking touchdown in the world to the point where I'm sitting there wondering why our time is being wasted mm-hmm. this badly. And Al Michaels because... tried to weigh in and, and kind of bring Chris Collinsworth back to reality a little bit. He's yeah. like, no, it's got to like, stand. Was... There isn't, it's got to be incontrovertible evidence. And it's, Chris Collinsworth is like, yes, there is. Stand. Yeah, fucking. Not only that, like, he catches a ball... He takes three, three steps three. minimum. Three steps, turns his body, then leaps across. Like, he is so clearly a runner yeah. when he leaps. Yeah. It's so obvious. This isn't anywhere near the other controversial catches that happened, like the Jesse James one. The Jesse James the one, he Bryant was one, because jumping Jesse into James the end zone, was, like, as he yeah. was catching it. Yeah, it was the kind of thing where he caught it and lunged for the end zone all in one move. Mm -hmm. He never, like, I think the big tipping point with the catch rule and something I've sort of understand by looking it up on the Jesse James happen is they're looking for you to catch the ball and then kind of like gain your balance. Yeah. And if you like gain your balance and that shows that you have like control of your body kind of and then if you lunge they'll consider you a runner but if you like go up like Dez or Jesse James did and they catch the ball but they never really regain their balance mm-hmm. on the way to the ground mm-hmm. even if they sort of dive then they're not like then the catch isn't complete until they hit the ground whereas Ertz the catch was complete after he caught it and got two steps and then another third step and then leapt even though he was running like that was the thing like he he regained his balance and then made the football move, whereas Dez and Jesse James kind of caught the ball and tried to make the move in the exact same kind of motion. Yeah. And it's just vague enough that it's it's basically up to whoever is calling the play whether or not that counts as a catch. But those are far more of a gray area than what Ertz did. What Ertz did was the most so obvious touchdown, touchdown in the world. I don't know anyone outside Chris Collinsworth, who thought that wasn't a fucking touchdown. I mean... Everyone. You you might... Everyone thought that was a touchdown. You might have had people who somehow, like, are just, like, Pennsylvania sports fans who support both the Eagles and the Steelers somehow, who are like, I saw that last one. If that one wasn't a touchdown, this one won't be either. And they're being fatalist about it. But, like, I... I, This is me kind of struggling to play devil's advocate. That were around... We're like, no, that's a that's got to be on. a catch. And then yeah. we're just we're we're sitting there for like ten minutes as they review the play. I'm like, what are you reviewing? Well, they didn't. I mean, they, that's a touchdown. They, they cut to commercial, right? And they they used it kind of as an excuse because as soon as they came back, it was such a clear, like they confirmed the call. They were like, yes, he was a runner. 
you fucking idiot Chris Collinsworth. Get your head out of your ass. Chris Collinsworth was so bad. He's just like, I wouldn't have, I would have taken that away, judging from what I know about the rule. Well, one, you don't no, fucking know the rule. Because no one knows the rule. Of the rule. You do, Collinsworth. And then just, just, you could hear like the deflation in his, in his, he was just uh-huh. so clearly rooting for Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. I mean, you listen to his call of the, of the play where he dropped the ball. It was fucking, yeah. Jesus. You, you Like, it was one of those cases where every time Brady fucked up, it was, you know, like, someone else's fault or, like, a veteran move. Where if Nick Foles did the same thing, like, that was just a mistake. Yeah. Like, Tom Brady yeah. can't make mistakes. That kind of deal. And I, I think the one play that really stood out to my mind is the Eagles... Threw like a third. It was like a third down play, and they threw it out to like the flat. And the Patriots guy, whoever was out there, made a really good open field tackle. Oh my god! As, yeah, as, Jesus as like the, Christ! As the eagle, the eagle tried to like leap over him, and the Patriot made a very good open field tackle and held him short of the first down. And Collinsworth goes, that's what's great about this Patriots secondary. Like, they give up a bunch of yards, but they really know how to make open field tackles. And I, like, my mouth fell open. I'm like, have you not seen the rest of the game game, where Patriots secondary was getting schooled? I I don't want to get into this this stereotype, but, like, I was watching the game with a bunch of my friends um, who, like, and my girlfriend included, who don't really watch a lot of football. Um, And even they, like... Were like as soon as Chris Collinsworth said that they were like, "Are, are you are you kidding me? Are you like, kidding that was me?" The People only have been... good defensive tackle the <laughs> Patriots made all fucking game. Probably also kind of the only good defensive tackle that either teams had made all day. It had been yeah. taking consistently three or four defensive backs to bring down receivers. It was. It was awful. It was just so bad. And Al Michaels, like, I, I don't know if he, like, couldn't rein it in or just stopped trying or if he was part of the problem. Like, I think I think Al Michael was drunk because you heard them both refer to the uh, Detroit Lions as the Pistons. Yes, right? I did. <laughs> they, they mentioned Matt Patricia. And yeah. They Matt Patricia. And he's just like, he's going to go be the coach, coach of the Pistons. Yeah. And you know, I'm like, um, uh, hmm. Uh, I, I did like that that gif you see online of Nathan Fillin yeah, kind of like the, pointing out like uh, his fingers just like I, I like he wants to explain yeah. it and just like mm, and then just decides like no. no no it's not worth it it's not worth it so that was bad that wasn't even the only that, like that wasn't even the worst part of the Super Bowl for me at least did you uh, were you able to hear any of the halftime show I I have not watched a halftime show since um the Black Eyed Peas. Oh, geez. Ugh, that was the last bad. time yeah. I watched a, a halftime show. I have straight up just gone outside and played catch with some friends every halftime show since. That's good. And like, I have good. not regretted a single thing about this that. This one was, I mean, this one was, let, let me put it this way. This one was very fun because everyone in the room was like flabbergasted at how bad it was. So you get Justin Timberlake, right? And previous years, like, it's been... He didn't have a hat. He didn't have a hat. He did not come out with a hat, which sucked. He came out with, like, a neckerchief. Uh Uh-huh. Or, like, a bandana around his neck. Yeah. And he looked, like, woody. 
it was it was bad. So when was bad luck. when we've had uh like the two times that Bruno Mars hosted it, when Coldplay hosted it, when like um uh Beyonce was was in it, and even when the Black Eyed Peas did it, what you what you need to realize about a Super Bowl halftime show is you can either get by on pure like like spectacle music or both right what Katy perry did and the reason her super bowl halftime show was fun was there i mean there was fucking dancing sharks there was a giant robot yeah there was a giant robot lion it was awesome it was fun and poppy and just like happy and whatever lady gaga's was both fun and like really like musically interesting too um and those were the those are the two i point to because those were the people that didn't really turn it into a huge star-studded medley uh at least as far as i remember i think katie perry brought out uh, katie perry brought out some guests that i can't remember but um that's neither here nor there bruno mars like the last time he hosted it turned into a fucking amazing thing with like the red hot chili peppers and coldplay was there too and you know i think beyonce showed up with destiny's child like you can when you are when you are like a single pop star right and you are headlining the super bowl halftime show you can either do something that's very heavy on spectacle like kind of Katy perry did uh you can call up a bunch of friends like you know Bruno Mars Coldplay uh the Black Eyed Peas did or you can kind of like do both and have really good musical sensibilities like uh like Bruce Springsteen the Who Lady Gaga um did not to say that like Beyonce didn't have great musical sensibilities but it was part of like a bigger thing Justin Timberlake didn't do any of that Justin Timberlake just went through and did like eight Justin Timberlake songs and he did rock your body and like said, stop, hold on a minute before he did the, I'm a have you naked by the end of the song part, which was a big slap in the face to Janet Jackson. The Prince tribute was like weird and not, I mean, it wasn't disrespectful, but it wasn't really respectful either. They, they shelved the hologram because it would, would have been against Prince's wishes, but they like played a video instead, which I don't know how much better that is. Like, uh, he didn't you bring know, out NSYNC. All, he all didn't fucking just, bring out NSYNC. Uh, he didn't bring out Lonely Island. They could have done Dick in a Box and I would have fucking lost my shit. Like, are you kidding me? Justin Timberlake knows the every NFL single... The NFL is not doing Dick in a Box I, as Super Bowl. Well, I, like, I, yes, I, true. No, true. It's not going to happen. True, but I'm just saying, Justin Timberlake knows fucking everybody. Everybody. And he decided to do a low energy, like, bad... I mean, no one... This is going to go down, I think, in history as one of the worst modern Super Bowl halftime shows. He ended it by saying, and I quote, Super Bowl selfies, as if it were 2008. Like, come on, my dude. Your new album sucks, and you suck, and you... Not that I was excited for his halftime show. I'm so glad I didn't watch this uh, halftime show because it's stupid. Don't watch halftime shows. I was hoping against hope that he would have brought Janet Jackson, like, 
on. And it was never going to happen. I know it was, I knew it was never going to happen, but it would have single-handedly revived the entire thing. Like it would have, which is why it was never going to uh, happen. Fair. I mean, fair point. So let's talk about the commercials. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Super Bowl commercials aren't commercials anymore. Nope. Like, I think we went over this either last week or two weeks ago, how they're mostly now about uh, spectacle and how much money we can throw at the screen instead of trying to be funny. And this year, I it felt lazier than I've ever seen. I, re- I did really like the Tide commercials. No effort. Like, there was, there was no effort this year. And, like, I don't even remember most of the commercials outside the ones that either really bothered me or the couple I chuckled at the that it was so low effort it was just some movie trailers that of course don't matter because that shit just gets released on YouTube months ago Uh um the only thing I saw for the first time was the Han Solo teaser which which I legitimately thought looked cheap you didn't fucking see Han Solo you didn't and I'm watching it and you know when you see a high budget car commercial, a high oh, budget, geez. high yeah. concept car yeah. commercial. Yep. That's what I thought I was watching. Yep. For most of the trailer, I'm like, this is going to be like a Kia ad. And then the logo comes up. I'm like, oh God, that was the actual trailer. Oh, Jesus, no. <laughs> I mean, I closed my eyes and plugged my ears and didn't watch it because I knew I was going to see the movie. And I've been doing that with Star Wars movies. And I've been like, it's been a very good life decision for me. Because like I I went into both like for I went into Force Awakens, Rogue One, and uh, Last Jedi all completely like blind as to what was going to happen, and that was very nice. But yeah, I mean that's the reaction that a bunch of my friends had too. Uh, while we're on the subject of car commercials, I mean we got to talk about the Dodge ad, right? So. This was the morally bankrupt garbage sponsorship commercial that happens every year. And, oh, yep. man, was it Ooh, bad. Swing, swing like, and a miss, was, Dodge. That was bad. Yeah. Like, whole oh, that's the angle you go with. You use, you're use you using Martin Luther King to sell pickup Dodge trucks. Ram. Well, the, like, the, oh, the, the big, God. like, slap in the face was that whole speech. Like, if, if you don't take it out of context... That speech is literally, like, about the evils of capitalism as it relates to, like, subjugation yeah. of, of like, different, like, groups of people. By it Dodge. It was the most tone-deaf commercial. <laughs> it was fucking crazy. It was so tone-deaf. And what's, what's sickening to me is I was watching that commercial. I'm like, all right, I'm not the target audience for right. this commercial. Yes. The target audience is rural farmer guy. Uh-huh. And... I, rural farmer guy who's it, sure he's not they were racist. Probably, yeah, rural farmer guy who's like, yeah, I like Martin Luther King. I drive Dodge Ram. I'm I'm a good person. And missing the context, missing like everything else is. Oh my god, that commercial was bad. Well, that was that that commercial. The the level of tone deaf that commercial was. Even like. Even if you're going to pander to a certain audience, fine. Like, I was thinking of that God Made a Farmer ad yeah, yeah. from a few years ago. Yeah. And I was probably less bothered by that one. Yeah, for sure. Because it wasn't using a speech 
from a important historical figure completely out of context, well, even a, against context, and, and, to sell the truck. It was just pretentious to, and not for to me. To say nothing of the fact that, that this is a historical figure that has been historically taken out of context like by white people a lot right like people people think of mlk as like oh you know non-violence and protests and like you know protest the right way and that's not what martin luther king was for at all no right like he was uh, he was radical and he was like if martin luther king was around today um everyone who's like against like the flag anthem kind of thing would hate yeah him. yeah because he was i mean the whole thing about nonviolent protest wasn't like wasn't like oh don't get in anyone's way it was no it was sh- instead of like being violent shut down functions that are essential to the state in order to make your point so like it's uh, it, it is it is baffling. Like, the whole thing is baffling to me. And we had to, I mean, I don't know. We It would be wrong if we didn't bring that up, which is just yeah. fucking hell. If they're, if they're the bottom of the spectrum on commercials, then we had two winners. Yes. And the number one winner was honestly the NFL congratulating itself. Yeah, but yeah. That one was pretty like, great. I, could, I couldn't I couldn't quite get over that, but watching Eli and Odell do Dirty Dancing was amazing and i it made me very very happy we were all on our couch like going fucking ape shit like cheering for the lift like are they gonna do the lift oh my god oh my god and then we like lost our fucking minds when when they did it we had also when, been when drinking. eli turns to the camera and does the finger oh the god I'm like, oh yes. that, that's it yeah that's the moment where the commercial became amazing yeah it was it was good and then it became amazing it was good like especially the part where all the offensive linemen are kind of doing like the awkward shuffle behind eli mm-hmm. but when eli mm-hmm. turns around and does the finger i'm like okay they're going there. yeah they it's they fucking gonna happen did it. yeah for sure I mean, you had but, the yeah. you had the um, the near miss of like the Peter Dinklage and um, Morgan Freeman ad where they both rap, and that was kind of you see fun. that was that was that struck me as a very big case of look at all the money. Yeah. We could oh, it definitely screen. was. Look, it definitely we got was. Peter Dinklage. Yeah. We got him singing Buster Rhymes. We got massive pyrotechnics. Yeah. Oh, we got Morgan Freeman and doing Missy Elliott. Yeah. Missy like, Elliott. Like, look at all the money on screen. Yeah. Look at the people we paid to do something silly. For sure. Like, for like sure. That, that was like the epitome of that for yes. me. It didn't do jack shit. Yeah. Okay. Fair. The commercial that I loved the most, and it was there was a couple of them over the course of the night, were the Tide ads. Fucking, they were so whoever, good. Whoever works at Tide who came up with that deserves a raise. That was amazing. Well, and the, the, the thing that I liked the most, too, is that they, they, like, I don't know if they, like, had to get permission from, like, Old Spice and Mr. Clean. Well, it was done by the Wyden, it was done by Wyden and Kennedy. Okay. Which is the advertising company in Portland that did the Old Spice and did the And, and did the Sexy like Mr. Clean commercial, too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're the advertising company that's behind that. They're the advertising company that's behind a lot of good ads. Bril- it's they're, they're fucking brilliant. Very, good ad group the, i i like the fake outs too like the old spice one i i was like oh are they gonna bring back the old spice guy the one the ones that i really liked were the ones that were like generic other commercials and then just fucking hop from stranger things shows up and it's like eh, this one's a tight ad too 
It was really good. And they were all like, they were all short and they didn't overstay their welcome. They were all and, like perfect parodies mm-hmm. of what they were like trying to be. Like that beginning where it's just like, that's ah, just a regular Super Bowl car ad. And it looks yeah. just it like looks one of those just, Matthew McConaughey yep. Buick ads. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, it's just like, oh, it's a funny beer ad. And then everybody laughs as the beer falls. I'm like, it's spot on. It was so, there was a lot of love and care put into those commercials, and I really appreciate it. And I hadn't seen them on YouTube before. Yeah, so a I don't. Plus. I don't think that one works if you see it on YouTube before. You know, no, it probably I, doesn't I, I think, work. The I fact that it's a bait impact. and switch is yeah. is exactly why it works. I, I will say, pour one out for fucking poor Persil. How could they have known? How could they have known? I remember seeing that like sad Persil ad where. It wasn't sad. It was like a fine ad, but it was just like uh, you're reaching through the TV and giving someone detergent because he spilled nachos on his shirt. You didn't know that Tide was going to go all out this year, did you? No, oh, no, because no. I, I saw that. I'm like, oh, this is a Tide. It's another Tide ad. Oh, oh rough. Wait. Very. Oh, no. They just they just got upstaged. So hard. Ah. Oh. Poor guys. You know, one thing I, I can't remember seeing this year, and maybe because I wasn't paying that close of attention to the commercials, uh-huh. but there's always the one commercial with the really outdated memes. I don't remember seeing one. That was nice. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. I uh, I mean, there was the Try Hard Pringles one. Yeah, I don't think anyone yeah. really did, like, they didn't fucking get Tazon Day to do, like, Chocolate Rain or anything. They didn't, you know... There wasn't a severely outdated meme commercial. Yeah. Like, which is good. I, I hope. I that, don't remember one. Well, I also. That, that's a good thing. I also think that, like, ad companies are getting smarter about that. Like, even if you. First of all, the, the, the lead up to. And the budget for a Super Bowl ad is so ginormous that anything you do, man, even if. Even if you, like, are able to kind of pivot at the last moment anything you do by the time the super bowl airs will already be outdated and people will be laughing at you and posting the fucking steve buscemi how how do you do fellow kids post at you like it's not worth it right it's it is it, not it's worth not it not worth it at all but the tide so good, good for you tide um i guess good for you someone at nfl marketing department yeah. for patting yourself on the back that i mean okay mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. doritos uh, nice try. Stop putting so much effort into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, relax a little bit. Relax a little bit. Re- relax a little bit. Uh, Pepsi. Um, the only part of the halftime show I did catch was when your logo was just flashing everywhere oh in the God, stands. Yeah. And the only thing I could think of was they live and just seeing, <laughs> consume, consume, yeah. consume, yeah. drink Pepsi, consume. For sure. For sure. Um, before before we get into our final topic, I do just want to say, like, holy shit, that Eagles fan ate literal ate shit. Ate literal horse poo-poo. Maybe it was an apology for the horses that the Eagles fans punched. Maybe. Maybe it's just like, this is my penance. Yeah, like, this break even. The horses are fine, but, you know, we got to do something to make it up to the horses, so I'm going to eat horse doo-doo. Yeah. Oh, boy. Gross. It was a good... It was a good game. I'm very happy for you, Philadelphia. I think watching this game kind of signified in my mind that I hate the Patriots more. I also think I hate the Cowboys more. I think I think I, this that that was a wake up call for a lot of people. 
right? That that it's like okay, we thought we hated the Eagles, but you know what? They're okay. They're, they're a fun, fun team too. They put That's up, the they thing, put up right? a fun game. Yeah. This is a fun group of people. This is a likable coach, likable players. It's not like they've got Deshaun Jackson and Lashawn McCoy mm-hmm. being douchebags, douchebags or anything like that. Yeah. This is this is a good crew, and I. I'm genuinely happy for you, Philadelphia. I'm genuinely happy. And welcome to the very exclusive club of fan bases who can shit talk Tom Brady. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You guys still have the title, right? It's it's still the Giants, but you know. It, you, we still did it first you, and, you and we did, did it, it twice. Yeah, so, you know. I, but not- like I said on the comic, like we, we stood over Tom Brady and punched his face in. You slapped him with your balls. Yeah, there you Respect. go. Hell yeah. Hell fucking yeah. Respect. Uh, just just real quick, Doug Peterson, I think, deserved coach of the year even before this game. He should have gotten it. Just wanted wanted to put that in there. Who won coach of the year? I forgot. I fucking, was it Bill Belichick? It was probably Belichick. Like, it was either Belichick or Sean McVay. I think it was Belichick. I, it might have been. I mean, if they had given it to Sean McVay, I could understand that. Um, but the Peterson definitely deserved more votes than he. Did. Yeah, I. So here's here's my thing, and I, I don't want to spend too long on it. But the the reason I think Doug Peterson deserves Coach of the Year is he he did something that no NFL coach has done, really. It, at least as far as I can remember, it, it's this really ingenious way of kind of coaching and uh, building your team or, or like preparing your team rather and, and putting together a playbook where you change your scheme based on the players you fucking have, you idiots. Why is this such an, a hard thing for people to grasp? You, you, you get the most out of your talent. You get the most out of your talent by looking at, yes, you look at the season where Nick Foles went fucking ape shit against the whole NFL under Chip Kelly, and you look at the plays that were called then, and you call the plays to the strengths. You don't make players fit into a scheme that they don't fit into because that's how you get fucking Trevor Simeon being up and down. That's how you get fucking the Browns being terrible all the time. And that's what's gonna happen to the Patriots once Tom Brady goes away. Once Tom Brady goes away, once Bill Belichick goes away. Not even once Bill Belichick goes away. It's with our douchebag of the week. And that is Josh McDaniels. So before we go, I I did want to bring this up because obviously by the time we are able to really talk about it in depth next week, the Colts the Colts will probably have already picked their next coach. Yeah, we'll be able to like uh, get that, into like we'll be able stuff. to talk about more because like more of the chips will have fallen by then. Yeah, but before we do that, we really wanted to just give you a little bit of something to just let let you know that yes, we know this happened and mm-hmm. we're not being scooped or anything like that. Yeah. So. If you, uh, if we'll have some quiet on the set, Sam, just, just keep it down. You know yep. when it'll be your turn. Uh-huh. Um, set. All right, everybody just pause. You're a douchebag, Josh McGee. You really are a heel. You're a total evil snake. You're as charming as an eel, Josh McGee. You'd rather be Billy's bitch than take a good deal. You're a monster, Josh McDee. Your heart's an empty hole. You screwed Indianapolis cause you haven't got a soul, Josh McDee. Now no team will touch you with the 
39 and a half foot pole. You're a coward, Josh McGee. Jamerste was gonna hook you up. But instead, your oatmeal face will keep on kissing Brady's butt, Josh McDee. You left poor broken Andrew Luck floundering like a seasick crocodile. You're a rotter, Josh McDee. You like to drink your snot. I wanna hurl a dead tomato at your stupid schnoz, Josh McDee. You're a triple-decker deep-dish shit casserole made with Tom Brady's jizzy sauce. You nauseate me, Josh McDee. I want to hit your face. The Browns' own 16 record is somehow less of a disgrace, Josh McDee. The three words that best describe you are as follows, and I quote, Dumbass fecal pile. You're a foul one, Josh McDee. You're the grossest fart for show. You're a skid mark in the boxes of every fat guy that we know, Josh McDee. Seriously, you fuckhead, you hired people only to leave them screwed over without a boss in Indianapolis, you inconsiderate piece of shit. My name's Sam Grezes. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam Grezes. That's S-A-M-G-R-E-S-Z-E-S-E-S-E-S. On Twitch and Instagram at Robots Fighting Dinosaurs and over at KissingIvankaTrump.com. Dave? I'm DropPlayDave Rapoto. You can find me on Twitter at DropPlayDave, on Facebook at the Play Comic, on Instagram at DropPlayDave, on Patreon, and of course on the DropPlay.com. We will see you next week, and we hope to have a little bit more news on Josh McDaniel.